Hello and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Today, Charlie, we have a guy who, nah, he wasn't here that long ago. And um, it, he'll go down as one of the great captains in the history of Milwaukee of the Milwaukee Admirals. I could not agree with you more, Aaron. Like, we talk about what, you know, what ca- what makes a captain. And I think this, like, intangible stuff. And this guy had it all. Uh, and... Also, one of just three American captains, uh, American-born captains since the Admirals joined the AHL, and this only uh, the third captain in Admirals AHL history to be a captain over two parts for of two seasons. seasons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not even not even the not even the sheriff, not even Scott Ford could lay claim <laughs> to be captain of the Admirals for more than one season. So, well, he's a former Admiral and uh, I guess right now Boston Bruins defenseman Jared Tenorti. Jared, it's good to see you. Congra- uh, congratulations on the season you had. I know it was topsy-turvy up and down. Um, and normally, as we're recording this, normally you're probably on the phone with your agent all day long, right? Right, right. <laughs> That's right. It's a little different this year, but, you know, I'm not complaining. I liked a little bit of break. I think this year was tough on everyone it's nice to get a little bit of downtime now with some normalcy well and for you you this year for you and your family especially I mean it's to go through you sign in one place and trades waivers whatever it may be your situation was you were placed on waivers and Boston claimed you and you ended up in a great spot there's no doubt about that but that's stressful on everyone when this stuff happens anytime let alone the middle of a season and and during COVID yeah, it's tough. I think it's it's easier when, you know, we obviously we didn't have a daughter or when she was really young, which kind of makes those moves a little bit easier. But, you know, she was in school here in Nashville and she's three now. So, like, that was a little bit stressful. But my wife is great. She kind of held down the fort for us while I left. And then uh, they joined me maybe a month or a couple weeks later. And, and we just kind of make it work, really, and kind of make the best of it. It was exciting. It's It's a good feeling to get picked up. Obviously, it's a lot of emotions. You get put on waivers and you're kind of down that day. And then to get a phone call, you get picked up the next day. Um, you know, it's exciting. It's, it, it was a good opportunity and I enjoyed my time there. And it's especially exciting too, to go to like, obviously Nashville, I, I, I don't remember exactly when they left, but they were struggling, struggled for a, a good chunk of the year. And so you go from a team that's out of the playoff picture, does eventually make it, but you go from that team to a team that's a Stanley cup contender at that point in Boston, what's going through your head when you find out that Boston's the team? Yeah, it was um, it, it was a strange year because I, I think we in Nashville we struggled to get some traction. I know I did personally in the team. I think as well we couldn't really get any traction at the start of the year, and we're only playing division games, so we don't really follow. I I didn't follow the rest of the league really. You're just focused on you know your division, you know where everyone's at in the standings and what's going on. And then, you know, I get picked up by Boston and I'm, I'm moving divisions and I had to look the team up, see where they're at. I knew they were good, but I didn't know, you know, kind of where they're at um, at that point in the year. And so it was kind of like you're walking into almost like a different league because you're going to a new division. You haven't seen those teams, any of those teams yet. So, right. you know, it was it was different um, for sure. But, uh, you know, it ended up working out. And while you're there and as Charlie said, Stanley Cup contender and they're buyers and they bring in a former MVP and Taylor Hall. I mean, it's, it's gotta be just awesome when you're part of a team that is adding all-star players to, to go for it. Right. Yeah, it was cool. I think, um, you know, as soon as I got there, I think 
you know, it's hard to win in this league. I've been on a few different teams. I made the playoffs, you know, with a few different teams now. And it's, you know, it's hard to, to win in this league and win in the playoffs. And, you know, when I got there and got a feel for the room, you know, I, I kind of thought to myself, you know, this is, this is up to this point. This might be my best chance at going. And unfortunately we had a second round exit, but um, you know, that was exciting. I think the energy um, that I walked into in that locker room was awesome. Um, you know, all the guys are great. Uh, you could just kind of feel, you know, the excitement gearing up for playoffs. It was, it was pretty cool. I was I was just the cursory check-in kind of thing to see if there was anything new. And I go to your Wikipedia page and I don't know if you've, you probably don't, but it, it has <laughs> awards and honors and it has gold medal at the under 18 and uh, the Ro J. Ross Robertson Cup and the OHL, the CHL Memorial Cup All-Star Team in 2012. And then it goes down to 2021 and it says whooping Tom Wilson result unanimous decision. <laughs> I saw that. I think I had somebody send that to me after the game. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's, those Bruins fans, man, they love it. And yeah, that was great. It was cool, you know, to be, I mean, Nationals fans are awesome too, but you know, it's, it's cool to be on original six team. I mean, how passionate yeah. those, those fans are and everything. It was really cool. Yeah, the original six and and the reputation, right? Like the big bad Bruins. That's that's always no matter what. There, two years from now, they could be the most skilled team ever, but it's always going to be the big bad. Right, Bruins. rough, rough and tumble. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, you know that's I think that's something everyone tries to embrace in the room. I mean, we had a really skilled team this year, and I think we were hard when we needed to be, and I think that's important to have. But uh, you know, it's one of those things that I think that kind of having that nickname follow you around, whether you're, you know, just a skill team or not, I think that just adds to the, you know, aurora of, you know, the Boston Bruins. When you, when you were with Montreal or you're with Boston and, and not to say that this can't happen in Nashville or Arizona, where you also played in the NHL, but when you're with those two teams in particular, can you get starstruck? Like does Guy Lafleur walk in? Does Bobby Orr walk down the hall? Things like that. I mean, your dad played in the NHL and was an all-star. So, Maybe you don't get starstruck. <laughs> no, it's cool. I I remember it more in Montreal. Um, you had those guys walk. I mean, COVID kind of. I would have sure. liked to meet some of those players in Boston. They weren't really around. I mean, you know, Cam Neely is the president now, and they, you know, everyone right. knows Cam Neely as a player, and that's pretty cool to see. I mean, uh, but um, yeah, I wish I had a little bit more opportunity in Boston, and maybe next year we'll see what shakes out this summer. But uh, it would have been cool to meet some of those great players that played. You bring up a good point with COVID because Freddie Gaudreau says he still hasn't met Mario Lemieux. And, and yeah. you, you would think that would be number one on the list, right? But that, that is, hasn't been the case. Yeah, I know. They're just – no one can be around. It's the rule. Yeah. So, I mean, they're trying, they're trying to keep everybody separate, so. The, to, just go a little bit further there with the COVID, though, is get, getting through it and getting fans back. And how cool was that for you as a player – for like it's so it's so surreal it was always surreal for me to see it I'm sure it was surreal for you to play in it with no fans and then to get you started off probably with 2,000 or 3,000 fans and by the time you're done in the playoffs you're getting you know 15, 14, close 15 to house, yeah. yeah close to a full house there how awesome was that and how much did how much was how much did that mean to you to the team to have the fans back yeah it was cool I think so I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was, when I was playing in Nashville at the start of the year, we had, we might've had a couple thousand there. I yes, think we started sure. with just first responders and then we had a couple thousand. By the time I left, we were up there 
um, not full, obviously, but a couple thousand and then went to Boston and Boston was, was nobody when I got there, they still had nobody in the stands and then they slowly started opening up too. So uh, going from Nashville to having a couple thousand, even a couple thousand people think, Oh, it's not really anything, but it makes a big difference when you got somebody up there, you know, cheering and stuff like that. And then, you know, playoffs are a whole different animal. Once those buildings opened up, I mean, we played in Long Island was wild and, and, and the garden was wild too. It was, it almost feels like a lot of guys said this too. It feels like it's your first game again, whether, you know, Bergeron played how many years, you know, it feels like after a year and a half of no fans, you know, having a full building, it feels like your first NHL game again. You're that excited to get the jitters. It was cool. What's more on that to follow up on that when you had the time off that you did, did that help your cause? Did that, I mean, the game you play is a, is a physical game. Did that time away from banging into someone help you feel fresher at the start of this past season? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really think, I mean, I, maybe, I, I don't know. I don't really think so. I think, you know, we've had lots of downtime and then, you know, we're back playing and then we had some more downtime again. So it's just been a, a crazy year. I think the body got enough rest. It was just the training. You're not training as much as you're used to, or, yeah. or you're not in the gym like you normally are, you know, we're having like workout with six, seven hockey guys. So it's just different. I think it's just a little bit of a learning curve for everyone really. Yeah. Did you, you guys, uh, you, you take care of business pretty quickly. I think more quickly than people were expecting against the Capitals in the first round and then run into the Islanders in the second. Uh, but the, uh, and so were you, I, I don't know what those were, they were all good games and it seemed like you guys controlled the play a lot of the time, but it's just the way that I, the Islanders play, they, they counterattack so well. And, I, I don't know what what is your what was your analysis of that second round series then maybe from taking a, a, a couple steps back here. Yeah, I don't know that that Washington series. I don't know if they were banged up or what, but we, I mean we played well that series and we we seemed to play well against them all year. I think we match up well against that team, and then we you know the Islanders games during the season were always close. I think when I got there, we might have played them three or four times, and they I think three of them went into a shootout, one goal games. It, it's it was tight. I mean, they're a tight team. I think in the playoffs too, um, their goalie got hot. Um, they play tight and they, they capitalized on, you know, the chances that they got, whether they got, you know, 10 of them or they only got four. I think a team were, were scoring at the right times and, and we struggled too at the times we really needed to. The, I, I want to go back now actually and talk a little bit about, let's go way back to, you know, growing up. First of all, I know this is this is probably this. Bo- I don't want to say it bothers you, but how sick of you are seeing uh, uh, Burnsville, Minnesota? No offense to the Minnesota native, here, <laughs> never. But to have Burnsville, Minnesota, as like your hometown, because there's a difference between your hometown and your birthplace. Well, you were born in Burnsville, but that's not where you grew up. So, uh, it, you know, talk about where you grew up. Obviously, we know about your dad, but uh, you know. How, how, how does the Burnsville come into it and uh, and where did you grow up and all that stuff? Yeah. So I, I mean, I was born in Burnsville, but I probably only lived there till I was two. And I, I, I honestly, I don't know who to talk to, to change it. I don't know if I got to write something in, write them a letter. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I always, every team I've always played on has always been Burnsville and I never understood it, but yeah, I was born in Burnsville, grew up in, in Millersville, Maryland until I was about 16 or so I lived there. So I've been in, I've been in Maryland pretty much my whole life um, up until I started, you know, getting serious about hockey, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I I never understood it. I don't know where they get that information from. I mean, it, they're not it, wrong, but you know, I I didn't spend any there. I don't know anything about Minnesota. The uh, uh you you know where it's it's hockey DB. That's where all yeah. every team goes to get information about. We find out. Okay, we got this play. We signed this player or maybe elite prospects now, but for the longest time, it's just straight hockey DB. So if hockey DB has it wrong, it stays wrong forever. It, there's, it's almost impossible to change. I got to find a phone number for them or something. I'll give them a call. <laughs> you would be doing a service for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so many players' parents, I should specify as oh, well. Gosh. Yeah. That, that, would, that would be a huge thing for the players' parents. And yeah, it honestly doesn't bother me, but then I got people that I haven't met before. They see them from Burnsville. They want to come up to me and talk like high school hockey and, and different, <laughs> different high schools. I'm like, I got no idea what you're talking about. That's the most Minnesota, that's the most Minnesota thing you could say yeah. <laughs> uh, is, to, is to say they, they, the first thing they see is Burnsville and they want let's, to talk high school let's, hockey. Let's get a juicy – get a juicy Lucy and a grain belt and go talk about what coach Osiki has done for the Burnsville Braves. So you, you grew up, you grew up in Maryland and you, you told us on a few occasions that, you know, when you have a, a father who plays in the NHL and is as successful as your dad was in the NHL, a lot of people say, oh, there's pressure to play. But you, you've said many times that you and your brother, you never had that pressure. Even You did play, but you never had that kind of pressure. Yeah, I mean, he started us in hockey, obviously. I think, I mean, he never really put much pressure on us. You know, if we wanted to play, we wanted to play. We played other sports too. So, you know, growing up, we always played two sports as kids. And I think it was just kind of, you know, where is the game going to take you not trying to force us in that direction? So. Um, you know, fortunately for me and my brother, it took us pretty far. My brother played uh, D1 hockey at RPI and then was kind of done after that, after a short stint um, in the East Coast League. I mean, so he got a great education out of it. And I was fortunate to, to make it pretty far and play in the NHL. And I think that's, you know, that's a that's the thing I have, like, with kids nowadays, I feel like parents are forcing their kids to, you know, you got to have the best coaches, you got to have the best everything, you got to be on the ice all the time. And I was never on the ice all, all the time as a kid. I think we had practice twice a week and we would play on the weekends and, and that was it. I mean, if you want to, if kids want to play hockey and they're going to find a way to get it done and, and, and work hard at it to, to carry them to the next level. And I think that's the way my dad approached it at least. And, you know, if I have a, you know, my son or daughter wants to play hockey, then, then that's the way I, I look at it too. Yeah. And you know what? I, I agree with you. If, if kids want to, if they do want to be on the ice all the time, parents stay the hell away let, let the kids yeah. go down and figure it out right let it whether it's yeah. street boot hockey street hockey rollerblades what you know the rink down the road whatever i mean there's yeah. there's plenty of opportunities for the kids to go out and play have fun and figure things out on their on their own yeah i remember i mean when i was a kid i didn't really love hockey that much like just like anything i wanted to be with my friends and you know i wanted to you know play football on the street versus go to hockey practice and then you know once i got older i started enjoying the game more and once i kind of you know, start playing at a higher level. It, it, it became more fun than it, than it was when I was a kid. But when you're a kid, you know, you want to do kid stuff. You want to you right. do what all your buddies are doing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and growing up in Maryland. Like a, yeah. Yeah. Hockey wasn't big in my area. So not many of my friends played hockey. I mean, we'd have kids on our team, you know, from Virginia, they'd be from New Jersey and everyone was traveling into play. So, you know, I, I didn't see those guys unless I was at the rink, you know, playing and then, I go home and I got my you know friends that don't play hockey and then I got my hockey friends too. So yeah, yeah. What was the other sport you said you played two sports all the, growing up? What was the other one? 
Yeah, so I played lacrosse um, up until I think my sophomore year in high school. I think I played my freshman year for my high school team. Um, lacrosse is huge in that area. All my friends yeah. played lacrosse. That was like the big sport on the East Coast is lacrosse. Yeah. Just a just a savage yeah. sport. Like, I mean, <laughs> God, I, I, I don't know anything about lacrosse, uh, but I'd watch it occasionally. And a, a buddy of my son's plays lacrosse and I watched some videos of it. And it's like, you all they do is slash each other. That's all. That's all oh, that yeah. happens the whole time. Yeah. You can use that stick however you want. You just whack it. You whack guys as hard as you want to. You just, it seems like there's no rules. And then all of a sudden they'll call you for something. You're just like, Oh, I didn't know I couldn't do that. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah. I, I two handed this guy seven times in a row in the kidneys. And yeah. now what did I do? I didn't know I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wild, but I mean, it's a blast. Like it's, it's one of the more, more fun sports I played as a kid growing up. I, I had a blast playing it. So how did you how did you get to Ann Arbor then? How do you get to that to that program when hockey's you know like you said most of these kids probably going to Ann Arbor have probably been hockey 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 since they were five six seven years old. Yeah. So I, I mean Ann Arbor, I didn't even know anything about that program. Like growing up, I was fifteen. I was playing a tier three junior in Maryland. That was the Atlantic Junior Hockey League. Um, so I was young playing on that team, but my brother was on that team too. And, um, I didn't know anything about that team. I didn't know like what that 40 camp was. I didn't know, you know, really I've seen like USA hockey, but I didn't really know like what the program was all about. And I think my dad, we were in Canada visiting my grandparents. My dad called me. I wasn't initially invited to the first camp. Um, but then somebody, I guess they, I don't know what happened, but my dad came in and told me I'm going to this. Uh, 40 camp in Ann Arbor. And I was like, okay, I don't know what it is. And I show up and it's, sure, I'll go. <laughs> you know, four, 40 kids there, 40, you know, I guess we're 15, 16 years old, um, all trying out for this team. And then I started learning more about it there. But I mean, I, I kept hearing that we had two kids on our team. John Merrill was one of them okay. um, that were already committed to like University of Michigan at 15 years old. I was like, oh boy, like, I don't know. <laughs> Right. I wasn't even thinking D1 hockey, really. I right. mean, I wanted to I, play D1 hockey, but I didn't really, like, it wasn't really on my radar at 15 years old, you know? So I can't even uh, drive. Yeah. So I ended up I ended up playing well. I made the team. Uh, John Hines is actually my coach my first year. He's in Nashville now. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was good. And then, uh, you know, that kind of opened some doors for me. Uh, you know, played well my couple years there, but – um, it was different. Yeah. I mean, coming from Maryland that nobody was that I played with was thinking about making that team or playing there. Really. Did you, how, how was it to move away at such a, basically at a, at a pretty young age to, I mean, not much younger than college, but, uh, you're, you're leaving your folks, you're leaving your parents and, uh, and heading up to, uh, to live on your own a thousand miles away. Yeah. I honestly, I loved it. I think I got really lucky that I had a great family when I was there. Um, they were amazing. They treated me like I was their own son and, and that was great. They had two little, two little kids at the time that I was there and, um, it was awesome. I mean, I didn't have, uh, I couldn't ask for anything better for my time there. It was, I was excited about it cause I like, you know, it feels like you're, you're moving away to go play hockey. You know what I mean? Right. When you're, when you're at that age, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, we were traveling to Europe and stuff like that. And it was, uh, you know, it was fun. That was a fun two years. So it, you had fun, but there's got to be pressure because now you gotta you've got a couple of years to make up your mind on what you want to do, right? I'm, that's a place every college is is watching you, and as it turns out, every junior program is watching. Everybody's paying attention to what's going on in Ann Arbor. Yeah, so 
Um, actually, when I was 15, when I was I'll go back to when I was playing for that Atlantic Junior Hockey um, League, uh, my dad would have me and my brother send emails out to colleges like, "Hey, I'm going to Boston to play in this tournament." So it was like a, you know, eight teams from the league would go and you play whatever every day or whatever you go to this tournament. I would send out emails. I'd send them to like Ohio State and Michigan. I would say. Oh. I'm Jared Tenorti, you know, come out and watch me play. I'm playing a defenseman for this team or whatever. Right. Never heard back from anybody, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, that, that, that's kind of what I was doing at that time because I thought, hey, if I want to go to college, I got to get, I got to get my name out there. I got people, people got to watch me somehow. Um, so I thought if they're at these tournaments and I sent them an email, maybe it would help, help my case a little bit. But um, so once I went to USA, you know, things were more colleges are watching than, you know, I was used to, you know, playing in front of so that was you know from that point of view that was great but intimidating or no uh i don't i don't think it was really intimidating because it was you know i think the great part about that program was there's a lot of internal competition i mean you're playing with the best players at your age group yeah so you know whether you're you know playing first pair defense or you're playing you know on the last pair everyone's a good player you know and everyone brings something different to the table so i mean you're competing, you know, to, to develop it and to play higher up the lineup. And then you're competing, you know, you want to go to good, good school and you want to do all that. So, um, you know, that, that team gets so many, so many people are watching that team. It really, you kind of get used to it. So you're not, you know, as nervous. It's not like, you know, you're going to a big tournament in Boston when you're 15, sending out your emails that, you know, Hey, somebody might be watching and you get a little bit more nervous. They're watching, you know, all the time, really, if you have right. a program. So, well, uh, real quick, some of the names there, your last season there, John Gibson, Jack Campbell, uh, Brandon Sod, Rocco Grimaldi, Michael Mersch, uh, names people would recognize, uh, Justin Falk, uh, Reed Boucher, uh, Jason Zucker, Robbie Russo, Nick Shore. I mean, guys who have gone on and had really, yourself included, really, really impressive careers. Yeah, we had, we had a great team. I think um... – you know, maybe I'm biased because I was it was my team there, but um, I I thought we had an awesome team, maybe one of the better teams that they've had as far as yep. a full team. Tyler, Tyler Biggs was it. Tyler Biggs was a first round pick, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we had a great team. We ended up winning uh, the U18s that year against Sweden, I believe. Um, yeah, but I think you know all those guys. You know, most of them went on to have you know pretty good careers in the NHL so far. So yeah. And, Zach Lorenzo was on that team too, Charlie, by the oh, way. Oh, there you go. Another, Another uh, Admiral. And a Phoenix native. I think the first guy from Arizona to ever play for the Admirals. I think you're uh, right. Yeah. yeah, I believe so. Uh, so you were when you're playing for those teams, for those international – or the US, Team USA playing international tournaments, you're uh, captain, you're, you're wearing an A. Uh, so you've always been a leader, right? And – did that just, was that always, a, was that a natural thing for you? Or it's obviously, you do have to think about it. You got to work at it like any skill, but does it, but uh, I mean, where, where do you think that, does it come from your dad? How do you, how does this, how does this happen? Maybe is a, uh, I don't know. How if that's it a developed, good yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. a great question, but I think you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I get that question. Like, I mean, people ask me that question. I don't, I don't really have an answer. Like, I don't know. I think maybe a lot of it has to do with the way I was raised. I think the way my parents raised me, um, you know, my parents, I, I think I'm biased too. My parents are good people. I think they raised us, you know, me and my brothers and sisters the right way. We have respect for people and things like that. And I think that kind of just translates into how you live your life. And I, 
you know, I've never, I've never tried to do anything that I didn't feel was necessary. If I got to be vocal, it just feels, you know, kind of more natural to me to speak up. And then, you know, one of the big things that you kind of learn over the years, and I've learned, I've played for a lot of good captains too, that have kind of taught me a thing or two. And it's, you know, it's just a, a process. You kind of learn when to speak, when not to speak, and, you know, when you need to or, or when you don't need to. And sometimes not speaking or not not being the rah-rah guy is just as important as, you know, being the rah-rah guy. So it's, it's you know, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know what how to kind of describe it. It's just, you know, you learn from the guys ahead of you. Um, you know, when I was a young kid in Montreal going to my first, you know, camps, you know, I just keep my mouth shut, keep my head down and try and soak in as much as I can. And I think that you learn a lot by doing that. Um, and then when the time comes for you to be, you know, that older guy or that voice, I think you, you kind of have a little bit more experience with it. You, so you're, you're, go ahead, I was Charlie. Gonna say, yeah, you had mentioned that when you're a kid, you don't talk to your dad about, you know, your dad's no pressure or anything. But once you get to the sort of what I would call like the elite level, Team USA, uh, and then as you turn pro, do you look to your dad for advice uh, on, on certain situations? Does he bring it up to you, whether it's on ice, off ice, any of that? St- I mean, uh, above and beyond just like the normal father-son stuff, but he obviously had gone through it all as well. That experience, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest, you know, the biggest thing that I wish I could do more is, is probably watching hockey games with my dad because I've always been gone and we don't watch a lot of hockey. I was able to – I was back home last week. So we were watching some of the playoffs. And so it's, it's nice to sit down and watch a game with them to get yeah. that perspective. Cause I mean, I'll play and then call him after the game. And then he kind of, we kind of just talk briefly and he'll say, you know, good game or, you know, you need to do this or, you know, uh, just little stuff and, and watching a game with him, I think he can kind of pick his brain a little bit more and we watch other defensemen and things like that. And, you know, right. I like to watch the game and see, you know, what players are doing and things like that. So, um, you know, it was nice to watch a couple of games with him and just kind of get, you know, his feel and what he sees, you know, because he's he's played. So he watches the game. He sees something different than I see. Um, so it's just nice to get that perspective. I one of the favorite I only met your dad one time and it was when he came in for the uh, for the father's trip, your second year yeah. in Milwaukee. And what I thought was awesome was that here's a guy who played. It was a captain in the National Hockey League, went to the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, you know, my favorite, however, my favorite player, by the way, Aaron's favorite player growing <laughs> up played however many games, 650 games in the NHL or whatever it is. But he was look, he was like a kid in a candy store in that locker room. He's looking around. He was taking it all in. Like you couldn't wipe the smile off of his face. Proud on, dad, on, yeah. yeah, He was proud and he was just, it was awesome to see like, you wouldn't expect him to be jaded or anything like that, but Hey, then, but he's an NHL veteran, but that was not the case at all. He loved it. He took it in and it was, he was a dad. He wasn't an NA, a former player at that point. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, what's so cool about that trip. And, and honestly, I, I think he's only been on one father's trip right now. And I think that, you know, he gets to see, that side I mean he knows you know the names of the players that I'm that I'm playing with but he's never met anybody he doesn't you know he doesn't get out to see me play very often so it's just a cool environment to have you know everybody's you know dad around because they get to be in the room they get to see what everybody's doing day to day and I think I think when you're done playing I think most of those guys when they're done playing you know I think what they miss the most is like being in the room with those guys, seeing us having fun and then, you know, going out and getting beers after the game and stuff like that. I think that's what you, you really are going to miss the most when you're not around hockey anymore. And I think that's, 
what he had fun doing, you know, when he was playing, just being on a team and that camaraderie. And then, uh, you know, so it's cool. It's cool to be for them to be a part of that. And that trip was, was awesome. You know, it was a fun time. When you start your pro career uh, after the years you had in London playing for the hunters, um, when you start your pro career, how, what is that like for you? Is that, obviously you come in a little wide eyed, right? I mean, you, you're, this is now, now this is a living. Now this is your occupation. Now this is all of that stuff. Right. No, I mean, I, I didn't think about it like that. I mean, cause I was, you're young, right. So I was only, you know, 19 or 20 starting my pro career. And then, you know, all you're thinking about, I think that was a lockout year. So we went right to the American league. Um, you know, all you're thinking about is getting to the NHL, you know, that's, that's been your dream since day one. You think about getting the NHL, you show up to the rink, work hard and, and play well, um, just waiting for that opportunity. And then, you know, once you, once I started, I didn't really look at it that way until once I started getting a little bit older and, you know, you get married and have a family and then, you know, it starts turning into, you know, this is, this is how I'm going to make a living. You know, this is, I need to make money, provide for my family and, and do stuff like that. But, you know, that was honestly, you know, making money and stuff like that was the last thing on my mind turning pro. I mean, I didn't care, you know, you're not making much on your rookie contract anyway. So right. you're playing the American league for not that much money. And, you know, you just want to make it to the NHL is all, is all you're doing. So. so what was Hamilton like? What was Hamilton like? What was Hamilton like? <laughs> I've only visited, but I tell you what, I can probably 99% guarantee that I'm the only American to be to the Canadian, to attend, to go to the Canadian football hall of fame three times. Is that in Hamilton? It is. See, it's I right mean, next to the rink. That. It's you know, <laughs> no, no, no. so the rink is connected to that mall, right? Yep. And then there's that Sheraton Hotel where all the yep. teams stayed, and right across the street from the Sheraton is the Canadian football. Actually, it's a block down. You have to go through. There's a there's like a building and there's sort of a tunnel to get through this building, and it's yeah. so it's on the other that that street outside the Sheraton is a one way, and I don't know which way yeah. it goes. Let's say it goes west. You got to go to the next block, and that that's a one way that goes east, and that's where the Hall of Fame is. Okay, yeah. Hamilton, so next time uh, you're in Hamilton, <laughs> it was it was different. I mean, you probably don't have many listeners from Hamilton. I wouldn't think, eh? Probably oh, no. not. No, probably not. But you never know. <laughs> I, you know what? I I I didn't care much for it. You know, my first year and a half there. I think I spent three years there, like off and on, up and down. And by the end, I really liked it. Once you figure out where to go and what you want to be doing, it, it's, you know, Burlington's right there. Oakville's right there. You know, Ancaster. All, those are all really nice areas, really good cities. Um, you know, we lived, I lived downtown all three years, I think, that I was there. And it's just dark and cold and, you know, it's gray. Most of the winter, it's gray. But, yeah. you know, the fans there were great. Um I, I liked it. I mean, the, the owner, Michael Anlauer was the owner when I was there and he was awesome, treated the players really well. Um, you know, it, it was good. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to do in the city, but, um, you know, it was good. This travel is a selfish, was nice. travel it, was easy. The selfish question for me, did you ever go up to the press box in Hamilton? Did you I mean, ever sit up that so, high? No. I don't think so. Oh my Lord. You talk yeah. about, you talk about taking your life into your own hands you are at the very top of that cops Coliseum and, and by the way, a legendary building, right? That's where the Canada cup was in 87 and all all of this stuff. Right. But you walk pretty much on the roof 
to get to the press box. Oh, and it's, and it is um, a, a bit of a catwalk and yeah, it's it. And there's some slopes. Uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild until you get where you need to go. Yeah. I try to think that there's another one like that. I think it was maybe Calgary. I can't remember where, but you have to take the bridge out. I think. So oh God. Of the ice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's what, yeah. that's very, yeah. very similar to this. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Very similar. It's like this little narrow rickety little thing that you got to walk out there. <laughs> and a tall guy like yourself that's just making your holly yeah. higher than I know things. I couldn't handle very it. Similar. Oh, yeah. No business being up there. Yeah. So did, did that, you said three years back and forth when it's gotta be frustrating to go back and forth that much. Right. Yeah, it is. I mean, you feel like when you're especially up, for a young player and you're a first round pick and you're waiting, like my time is coming soon. My time is coming soon. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's a little bit deflating when you get sent down. I mean, sometimes you're getting sent down for, for reasons that are kind of out of your control. I mean, if you, if you're playing well, you know, when a guy comes back healthy and they don't have room for you, they'll send you down for a bit, you know, and see what happens. But, um, you know, it's tough. but I think that's, you know, where the culture you have in the American League, I think it's easy. I've seen guys, you know, they come down and they mope and they, you know, yeah. and they kind of sulk a little bit and, and it's tough. I mean, it's not easy. It's a little bit of a blow, but, um, you know, I've always told myself I never wanted to, to be that guy that's going to be negative around the rink, you know, when something like that happens. And I think that it's part of the culture we tried to create in Milwaukee. I mean, if guys are coming down, they're coming down to, you know, team, a good group, you know, everyone's positive at the rink and, and everyone's working toward the same goal, really. So I think that, you know, it makes a difference when you have a good group around you, team, good coaches and things like that. It makes a difference. You're coming down you know why you got sent down and you know what you have to do to get back up there. And everyone's kind of pushing you in the same direction, which is nice. That's, that's one of the things when we talk about you being a great captain in, in Admiral's history uh, that I witnessed um, and, and we don't need to name names by any means. And there's probably more than I, there's certainly more than I've seen, but uh, you would take a guy for a walk around the rink. You would, you know, you'd go out and you'd have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with people and just, whatever talk about what like like you were listening you were a sounding board but a spokesman i mean it, it was it was really impressive like something that i don't think people understand happens well i think that you know i've been through a lot in my career i've been through you know some some low low lows and some pretty high highs so i think that you know at this point hopefully you know there's nothing really that i haven't been through and i think that you know what i remember when i was a young guy you know everything's you know for the first time you know you're getting that rejection of, you know, you didn't play good enough up here. You're coming back, you're going back down. I think that, some, you know, that can be tough to hear sometimes. So I think that, you know, I don't know, do you just try and there's a, there's a reason why it's happening and it's not ever permanent. You know, you get sent down, that doesn't mean you're not ever going to go back up again. It may feel like it is, but it's, you know, that's not going to be the case if, if you do the things you need to do, you know, to get back up, sit there and sulk in the corner, then, you know, there's really no help in you. You might not, you might have that opportunity again, but um, I think it's important that guys know that. And I think it's important that, you know, if a guy's coming down to us when, when I was in Milwaukee, you know, that we kind of rally around him because we, you know, we want him to play well because our team, we want to win as a team. And then we also want to, um, you know, we want him to get back up there. Yeah. It's, it's almost the three year, it might even be the three year anniversary to the day, although this is going to be released on uh, July 6th, so uh, a little bit before that, that you signed with Nashville 
Uh, and talk about that process, how you ended up in their organization and then to be, because uh, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams out there, a lot of NHL teams, a lot of organizations, and uh, I'm sure that Nashville wasn't the only one calling. Yeah, I think, uh, so I was in Wilkes-Barre before and I think they, they kind of wanted me back, but um, you know, I think I was ready, ready for something different. Wilkes-Barre was great. I mean, uh, you know, playing there was awesome, the team really well, but I think I was ready for something different. And, and Nashville was pretty persistent. Scooter, Scooter was pretty persistent. Um, you know, and I honestly, Scooter was kind of the one that, that kind of drew me to Nashville. I kind of, everything that he was saying to me kind of resonated with me. Um, you know, I hadn't been in the NHL, I think for three years before that. And, um, you know, I think what he was telling me at the time was kind of what I needed to hear. Um, and so I just, you know, took the chance on, uh, on that. And my wife loves Nashville, so that definitely helped. Um, you know, so I think it was just, it sounded like a good fit. You know, I wanted to play for Scooter. I liked what he kind of was building in Milwaukee and the way he was looking at things. So um, that was a big part of it. Does he talk to you directly or is it to your agent and then you talk to him? How does, how does the initial meeting happen? I think they, they reached out to my agent and then my agent would call me and tell me, and then I would, you know, jump on a call maybe with Scooter. And uh, I can't remember exactly how it went down. Eventually I was, I think on July 1st, I think I finally had a phone call with, with Scooter and Poyle and Laviolette was on the line. And then I think, you know, a couple hours later I made my decision, but um, yeah, I mean, their Nashville is pretty persistent. Scooter, you know, Scooter was leading the charge. So Scott, we recently we had goods on and he was telling us about how stressful it is for a guy who's uh, a sought after AHL player on like July 1st, that it's like, you know, we, all we hear about is, okay, where is the big name free agent going, right? Where's Taylor Hall going to sign this year? And he's the one that's making the decision, but for maybe a guy like yourself or Freddie, where that you get a lot of different offers, but they tell you, okay, you got, you know, here you yeah, go. You got, we got to know right, by two o'clock because we got three other guys. Right. Yeah. This offer explodes at, at 2 PM. Right. That's a stressful situation for you, especially a guy who's got a wife. And I, I don't know if you had had your daughter at that point, but you, it's, it's close. Right. Yeah. No, I think we, where do we have her? I think, no, we just had her that summer. So yeah, she was born in June and then July 1st. Yeah. So she was young, but uh, yeah, it is stressful because they, they like to put you under the gun a little bit. And I think that that doesn't make things easy, but I mean, it's tough because there's always other players that they could go and sign. And so that's always in the back of your head. You know, if I'm a defenseman, you know, they got one team or two teams call me and they want to know, well, they can just, you know, go down the line and sign another American league defenseman, you know, that same day. And it's really, you know, you look at it, that's really no skin off their back. Cause you're not, you know, you're not a top two defenseman in the national hockey league. So that's kind of where you're at, but um, yeah, it's, it's stressful. I mean, it's definitely more stressful now that I have a kid because now we're talking like schools and, you know, all that fun stuff. So you kind of get all that sorted. But, um, you know, I try not to worry about it. You know, you just see what happens. There's nothing you can do until that day comes and, and, and your phone's ringing or it's not ringing. And then, you know, things kind of heat up a little bit for you. But do you like what you what you said, though? You want to hear that there's you don't want to hear hey we think of you as an AHL defenseman you want right. to hear hey you know what you come in we think of you as an NHL defenseman you can play here for us that's what you want to hear yeah well, that's what you want to hear you want to get to that point where you know you're signing NHL contracts and not two-way contracts but um 
you know, I think that's, you know, you can kind of get a read off teams if they're, they're looking to sign you, you know, for depth in the American league or they want to, you know, you you can kind of get a read on that, you know, and you got to have a little bit of confidence in yourself and, and believe in yourself and what you think you can provide. And, you know, I think that's a big thing, you know, why I, you know, signed in Nashville was, was Scooter was, you know, had that belief in me. I don't know. I don't even know how much he watched me, but, you know, he had that belief that I could play in the NHL and, and I hadn't for three years, I hadn't gotten that opportunity you know, in three years. And, and, you know, he was convinced that I will, it might not be right away, but he said, you're going to get your shot here. Uh, you're an NHL player. And even after my first year in Milwaukee, I didn't get called up once. And, you know, it was the same thing. You know, I had that confidence and I had that belief in myself and I was hearing it from Scooter too, which was nice. And then eventually I did get that opportunity. So, um, you know, that's, kind of what where I was in my career was I was kind of more playing for opportunity not necessarily the paycheck and uh you know it worked out for me that time you know it it, it was a big change in Milwaukee Dean Evison had been here for six, six years. years and so it's uh, Paul Fenton was running the ship right and so Scott Nichols the new guy uh, Carl Taylor's the new guy Greg Rollo's the new guy there's a lot of new players yourself included that season did not get off to the best start there were some real growing pains that year. Not that you were playing poorly or anything like that, but there were some growing pains. And then eventually at the end, my goodness, you got hot. Yeah. I think that, yeah. I mean, I think that's everyone just getting used to each other. Everyone's settling into the roles. I mean, yeah, we had Carl there. I mean, Fordo has been there forever, but um, you know, Carl and, uh, and Rawls and then, you know, Scooter. And I think that everyone kind of bought in, to the, to the general idea and the, to the direction that, you know, we wanted the team to go. And it, it just doesn't happen, you know, like that, you know, it's a process and, and Scooter brought in some, some character guys. I think that definitely helped. I mean, we had great leadership in that room and, and all the young guys we had too. all the young guys were awesome. We, you know, we didn't have to like, you know, rein anybody in too often or anything like that. So, I mean, everyone just kind of bought in and it took some time. And then you look at, you know, where the team was at, that second year, I mean, that was could have been a special year, and it's just unfortunate the way it ended up. But um, you know, I think that you know to get to that point where we're the second year, you got to go through all that, you know, all that not fun stuff and the growing pains and you know everything to get there. And that's what you know all the good teams do, all the teams that win do. When you get uh, named captain in eighteen nineteen, you'd never been a, you'd never been a captain before in as a pro. Uh, what were the thoughts going through your head? And, uh, and then my a follow-up question to that. And we ask the coaches, this all coaches, this all the time, but how do you deal with guys? And I don't, and maybe there wasn't a lot of this, but nobody wants to be in Milwaukee, right? I mean, we love Milwaukee. It's a great city, great place to play in the American league, but everyone wants to be in the NHL. So how is, do you, as the captain, how do you have to navigate those guys who are getting sent down? Maybe, you know, there's always probably a little bit of an NHL hangover when you some for a lot of guys when they first come down. How do you manage that as the team's captain? Yeah, it's difficult. It's not easy. I think that you know, I don't, I didn't necessarily want to be in Milwaukee. You know, just like everyone else. I mean, right. but you know, that's where you are right at that moment, and so you make the best of it. I mean, I'm, you can't sit there and you know, like we said earlier, you can't sit there and sulk, or you can't sit there and you know, be grumpy or selfish or anything like that. Like, what does that do for anybody? It doesn't do anything good. So, you know, you just got to enjoy your time. Like I, I had a blast in Milwaukee. We had an unbelievable, probably one of the best teams I've been on as far as, you know, the group getting along and, and guys having fun and, 
you can still have fun, enjoy, you know, hockey, enjoy, you know, being around each other and still want to play in the NHL. There's nothing wrong with that. So, um, you know, it's sometimes it's not easy, but, you know, I think you kind of just, I don't know we have, the, we had the right group. I think it wasn't just me. It wasn't just, you know, Donnie, it was everybody that we had in there, the older guys that have been around a long time. We had the right group, I think, and that made it so much easier. Well, yeah, you had Schneids during the season, right? Cole Schneider yeah. comes in and, 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 yeah. and Troy Grosnick. And, yeah, there's there's a lot of good people. My favorite part of that season, outside of the the push at the end and then uh, the, the playoffs, the first two games were rough, obviously, in the second two and, and, and by losing to Iowa. But um, my favorite part of that season was – we're in Hershey and we're driving to Baltimore. We're going to fly out of Baltimore and yeah. we end up with the, the team ends up, the bus pulls up to a bar in Maryland and that's, that's <laughs> your dad's bar. Tell, tell how that all went down. How did, how did we get to that point? Yes. That was actually pretty crazy. I, I was surprised that it worked out that way. Once I saw, so I saw we played in Hershey and I saw, I think it was like a five o'clock game or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to make it. But I know like I know that area, obviously. And I was like, if we can if we can get to the hotel at a decent time and get this bus, we're 15 minutes from my dad's bar. So I said, told Carl, I think I said, hey, let, like I want to bring the boys here. We're flying out early in the morning. So we just kind of have to I don't keep know, it out of control, through, yeah. battle through it a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, Carl was crazy. He said, let's go. I want to go. Everyone loaded up on the bus. We went down to the bar. I think they kept it open until as long as we wanted to. I mean, I don't know if that's legal. Or not, if that's but, legal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we had a great time. It was, uh, that was a fun trip. I mean, they, I mean all the boys had, had a good time there. It was nice. I got to sleep at home that night. Um, I mean, my dad drove me to the airport the next morning. So it was, yeah, that was cool. I, I didn't expect it to work out. I think we got there. Maybe I can't remember what time we got there. Maybe like, 11 o'clock i mean it's yeah. a quick drive hershey's close so it wasn't that late but uh that was cool it was cool for all the guys to see the place it was cool for my dad to get to hang out my, my sister was there my brother was there it was cool yeah. for them to get to hang out with everybody it was that was a fun night i was going to say we got to meet uh, so many of your family and friends and yeah and all of that and then uh i remember duncan siemens and troy grosnick holding court and they were really, they were really going hard at holding. At uh, they, they were very serious about what they were talking about. Uh, yeah, I can't. you probably, Honestly, you were probably talking to your remember, family. I don't know. But boy, yeah. was Dun Duncan Siemens was really, really having it up. And then, which Goose, is unusual. You wouldn't expect that out of Duncan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, and then Goose, and then Goose had to do the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those two guys together, man. Oh, they go back and forth. <laughs> so if we th if when if you ask Admirals fans what what do you remember about Jared Tenorti not like in a grand sense but what's your on ice what do you think about when you think about Jared Tenorti from an on ice perspective I can guarantee you that all almost everyone is going to say the AJ Greer incident so yeah. uh, which which blew I mean uh, from a from a guy who is in charge of the Admiral social media that was awesome because we got huge play on that on YouTube. <laughs> One of the most yeah. viewed videos we've ever had. Uh, just can you talk a little bit about, uh, about what you remember from that thing? And uh, I mean, you gave him a pretty good uh, beating, especially since he wasn't wearing a jersey. Uh, just talk about that whole incident, what went down. And, uh, you know, and I know you're was, not the yeah. type of, yeah, you're not the guy. Some guys fight for the attention. That's not you, right? Like you do it because it's part of the job, but you're not out there seeking attention. 
but this happened to, you know, get a little bit of attention. Yeah. I honestly, I still kind of think about that every, because nothing really like that's happened to me before. I mean, we've had line brawls and stuff like that. Some pretty crazy stuff, but nothing like that. I mean, I remember, I think, it, I can't remember who he fought. He fought uh, heels. 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 Yeah, he fought heels. I didn't like the way he did it. He, like, jumped him, and, and I wasn't happy with that. And so, honestly, I thought nothing of it. I was like, I'm just going to go, you know, have some words with this guy at the penalty box, skeeted by, and then I saw him stand up, and he standed up, and he started coming towards the door. And I think I was, like, past the penalty box at that point, and I was like, there's no way this guy's getting out of the box. Sure enough, he opens the door, and I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. Like, it's back in. And, and so, yeah, he gets uh, – and then we fight right there. And, and then I was surprised. I was more mad that I got suspended for it because they told me that I didn't – I went and instigated the fight, but I didn't think any of that's on me. That happens a million times. You know, yeah. I think it's on him not to get out of the box. Not to get out of the stinking guy. box yeah. Yeah. without a jersey on, for God's yeah. sakes. Yeah. 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 That was crazy, though. I think that was – you know, that was something different. But, I mean – that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. But luckily, I mean, I think we're past the statute of limitations on that. Matthew Olivier came off the bench for sure on that. Oh, he did. Yeah. 100% oh, yeah. He did. 100% and, and he they, did. Because the league, so they, they sent the video into the league, and I think they were so focused on what was happening at the penalty box and what I was doing and what he was doing. You can you can see clear as day him come off the bench and go down there. Right. But they, they weren't even looking at that, I don't Didn't think. Even that would have been it. a big one. Yeah, oh, that yeah. would have been a big one for him. Yeah, so. Absolutely. That's not yeah. not like in the days of Mark Tenorti, right, where that, uh, you know, might have happened. <laughs> that happened every other game. That, uh, yeah, that, I, that, I, I, I know somebody came off the bench once my first year pro, and so that would have been like 2013. And I, I think that was kind of more the tail end of when that stuff became. They started cracking down on that stuff, and I think it was only like a, a five-game suspension maybe or something like that back then, but. I mean, nowadays, they're, they're going to throw the book at you for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. So uh, another thing that I think is interesting about your captains being a captain in the American League is you still are sort you're still the captain of the team, even if you get called up. And I say this because I remember, I think it was the of uh, the rookie party, or maybe it was a Super Bowl party, but you're called up to Nashville. You're in Nashville, but you're texting guys like trying to help organize uh, parties in, in Milwaukee yeah, or on the road, because that's, that's just sort of your job. You don't give it up just because you're in the, up in the show. I think, it, yeah, I think it was rookie party. So I, I remember I was up, I was sitting in my hotel room. I think, I don't know where we were, Pittsburgh or something like that. And I got Donnie, like we just got in. I got Donnie texting me. We're trying to set up rookie party, figure out, you know, what guys owe money, what guys don't owe money and trying to set up dinner, trying to pick a menu for rookie dinner and stuff like that and set everything up. I mean, I can't not do that kind of stuff because we were pretty involved in all that, you know, before I got called up. So it's just kind of something that you have to do. And, and that was fine with me. I want those guys, even if I'm not going to be there, I want those guys to have a good time. So tell me about this. We, we hear about these horror stories where the rookies got to get out their credit cards when the offensive linemen in the NFL take out. Is that, is that how it works at this level? The rookies pay for the dinner or is it, how does it work? Now everybody chips in. I mean, the rookies will pay a little bit more, but like, I mean, it, it goes based on, you know, like salary and things like that, but it's not, it's not anything too crazy. I mean, everybody's chipping in for the dinner. Um, everybody's chipping in for, you know, a night out and things like that. So it's kind of more of like a team thing. I mean, the rookies, you know, they have, you know, they do their own stuff and they will have stuff for them to do, but it's nothing, nothing too crazy. It's more so like getting everybody together just to have a good time. It's basically an excuse to go out and have a good time and <laughs> have fun. Right. And, and have fun. Yeah. I mean, it's just another thing that we, you know, everyone looks forward to that. Um, 
during the year. So you get you get uh, you get called up like we had just mentioned first time in three years. Uh, what was that like for you to get that? Uh, you know, what's going through your head when that happens? Is it like is it a big relief? Is it excitement? Is it all of the above? Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, you know. I I think it was just. I was pretty calm about it, actually, I think, because, you know, I, I was waiting for that opportunity for a long time. I mean, I had lots of opportunities with other teams. and I was up and down and stuff. But, you know, this one it had been a while. It had gone like three years without an NHL game. And so, you know, I knew that I could play in the NHL again. I just had to be patient and wait for that opportunity. And, and then when it finally came, I think it was just just like a calmness, I think, about it. And, you know, I it, it kind of thought to myself, you know, you know, I just, I, during that span of three years, you know, I just wanted to play one more NHL game. If, if I was going to play in the American league, the rest of my career, you know, I just wanted that one more crack at it. And, you know, I got that opportunity and I think I just tried to make the most of it really, you know, play my game, not, you know, when you stress and you worry about it or you overthink it, that's when you get yourself into some trouble. And I, so I had a little bit of a different mindset, you know, that time than maybe my other, uh, my other go around. And then when you get up, you get your first goal and not only do you get your first NHL goal, Blast but you do it, it at, you do it, it at your, at your hometown, like your fa- family, everybody's all yeah. the people who are very special to you get to see it in person. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had, I think I had like 10 people there, which was awesome. I mean, my family's kind of been, been with me through it all too. I mean, they've seen the ups and downs. They've been, they've been there for everything. So um, you know, it was, it was pretty special to be able to score, you know, in Washington, you know, I remember going to Washington games when I was a kid and back when, you know, this was after my dad played back when that rink was empty and they had no fans in there. And then, you know, I remember seeing Ovechkin, you know, when he was 18 or 20, whenever he came in and his rookie year, and then, you know, to be able to play there and, and score a goal there was pretty cool. Yeah. The, uh, uh, you got called up, you got sent back down maybe uh, after a few games, and then you get called up and you're there in Nashville for the rest of the year and you're playing consi- like significant minutes. You're not, uh, you're not in there for, you know, sometimes you see a guy go up and you're playing as a D-man, maybe you play eight or 10 minutes, but you're getting good quality minutes. Uh, was, it, were you, was that a thing that you're, does it take you a little while to get used to doing that? Or, uh, or is it just like you get right back in it and it's like sort of like riding a horse, but you're just riding it at a, at a different level? No, I think that was good. I think, uh, you know, I think there was, there was a couple of injuries. I think uh, so I got called right back up, I believe, maybe winter classic time. And then so Ryan Ellis got hurt, um, which was unfortunate for that injury. But then, um, you know, I stepped in and I was playing with Ekholm, I think, on the second pair. And Honestly, I think the games the game's easier when you're playing a little bit more because you kind of get into a flow and a rhythm, and I think right. that helps. You know, sometimes when you're playing eight nine minutes a night, you kind of overthink every play that you're going to make because you you're not making a lot of plays out there. You don't have a lot of time on the ice, but um, you know that was good. I think that you know I think that was an opportunity for me to show that I could play every day at that level. Um, and then when Ryan came back. Um, you know, I was still in the lineup and I think that, that helped me a lot, um, you know, playing a little bit more and, and playing some good games, uh, you know, playing with Eki was great for me too. You know, learned a lot from him. He, he's a great player. Yeah. Show, showing that you can play, but you also got, you got the chance to do that. We, we touched on this before with Boston, uh, this season. So what, 
what now? Is it is it a waiting game? Is it are are you able to relax? Are you uh, are you are you able to just sit and enjoy the family and enjoy the the heat of Nashville and and until free agency day starts? Yeah, I am now, which is nice. I, I, this year was so crazy, but um, I am now. We're back into the house. Um, you know, we're here. You know, till the end of August and maybe in the training camp. So I mean, that's nice, and you kind of just enjoy the summer a little bit and it's nice being you know back in Nashville where things are a little bit more open I, I mean Boston was opening up uh our time there but it's good to be back in Nashville we like it here you know it's a little bit slower paced than being in the city in Boston so that's nice right absolutely yeah. Charlie you have anything else I I, have, I don't have anything else again for the, uh, again here's another one we tell them 45 minutes and after an hour it's like well here we are <laughs> is that what it is that's right an hour, yeah. Yeah. flying by no. By and by, we, we always, Jared, we always finish these with uh, asking our guests uh, this question. When you think of Milwaukee, what do you think of? I think of beer drinking. <laughs> you're the first honest person on this. You're the first honest person on this entire damn podcast. 80 episodes <laughs> in, 80 in, and the first guy who actually speaks his, his mind. <laughs> I don't know if I've been to a city that likes drinking more than Milwaukee. It's incredible. <laughs> I don't think so. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's high praise from there well, from Milwaukee. Staff. Think about it though. Think about it. Like we hear all these things about Broadway and Nashville, right? And all the bachelorette parties and all of that stuff. But yeah. but those are like dabblers. Like here, these people this is a career. Like this these these there's are career no, drinkers. There's not many tourists coming to Milwaukee and everybody <laughs> in Nashville is coming for a weekend, so they blow it out for three, four days and they go back home and they, they gotta detox themselves for a week. But <laughs> in Milwaukee, I mean, we go out to a bar and it would be a Tuesday and it's it's the same people that are there that are they're there, you know, On three, Sunday four days and, a week and it's right, not, and, and Thursday and you're sitting in their and, chair, I, yeah. You're sitting in their chair. And I don't think it's like to a problem point. I think it's just, you know, people like to have a good time, enjoy themselves. I mean, sports games are on all the time on TVs. It was, I loved it there. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we loved you. There's no doubt about that. I, we, we don't say it lightly. One of the best captains uh, we've ever had. And, um, and I don't even know if I should qualify, qualify it with one of the best. Um, Right. As you're, you're, if you're not the top, you're in the top two or three. Um, and, uh, we really appreciate your time. We wish you nothing but the best, obviously. Um, we, I love, I love the fact you've had these last couple of years and have been able to, to show that you can play in the NHL and, and, uh, we wish you several more years playing in the NHL. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me guys. I really appreciate it. That's uh, former Admirals captain Jared Tenorti. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.